Hey Icon, Happy New Year. It is good to be with you in 2021. Uh, last year was such a hot pile of garbage. I am so hopeful for this year and you can mark it down. Pastor Justin says 2021 is going to be better than 2020. I know, big prediction, uh, but you can write that one down. Uh, today, we are gonna do a little bit something different, uh, something that is already and is gonna continue to be an annual tradition for us uh, to do a kind of State of the Union Vision Sunday on the first Sunday in January. So I want us to take a break in between Advent and our John series that will kick off next week um, and just talk a little bit about where we're going and, and how we're gonna get there. And that's really the reason for a message like this, right? Like why take a whole Sunday just to talk about the vision? Well, I think as a community, as a church, we need to know where are we headed? What are we aiming at? Who are we trying to be? And what is our hope and prayer for how we're gonna get there? So that's what we're gonna do today. Um, I wanna kind of start big picture and talk about what our mission and vision is as a church, and then uh, get really specific about 2021 and what it's gonna look like, what we're gonna focus on for this year. So let's start with our mission. Our mission statement as a church is to make disciples who follow Jesus faithfully in real life, right? So making disciples is the call and commission of every church. So every church should have something in their mission statement about making disciples. That's the mission statement that Jesus gave the big C church, all churches around the world. We're supposed to make disciples of Jesus, right? So that's what we wanna do. The specific thing that we wanna aim at here at Icon is to make disciples of Jesus who follow Jesus faithfully in real life. Now, here's why we say that. Because oftentimes the church is really good at making church people, right? We are good at training you how to read your Bible and to pray and how to have devos, right? And quiet times and be good at church, going to church, being in a small group, being an icon group, and all of that stuff is fantastic. But it is such a small portion of your life right? So what we want to do is work through those practices, right? We talk about spiritual disciplines all the time. And so I'm not down on those things at all, but those things ought to be a mechanism. Those things are tools to shape you into someone who can follow Jesus faithfully in real life. So at your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, where you live, work, learn, and play, we want you to follow Jesus faithfully in those spaces, right? So it's it's not stopping at the church stuff and the church activity and the church language, but utilizing those things to better equip you to be a Christian faithfully in real life. And that, that word faithfully is really important to me because there are uh, kind of ebbs and flows oftentimes um, in our faith or in the practice of our faith. And the, the word faithful, just for me, has a connotation of consistency no matter what is going on around you. And I would say for those of us who live in Seattle and we all live around Seattle, it is a difficult place to follow Jesus faithfully. 
right? Everything around us is working against us. All the ideology, all the activity, all the rhythms of our city um, are working against uh, us following Jesus faithfully. So we want to be consistent followers of Jesus that no matter the context, no matter the moment, no matter what's going on around us, we're following Jesus, right? Aiming at what that looks like in real life. So that's our mission, right? That's what we, as your leaders, as the pastor, that's what we're aiming at to prepare you to follow Jesus faithfully in real life. Now, that's the mission statement. What's the vision? Where are we headed? And here's how we think about it here. We think about a 10-year prayer, a three-year picture, and then a one-year plan and 90-day priorities. We're going to talk about some of that, right? I want to start with the 10-year prayer. Here's what that means. We want to look 10 years out into our future, right? So it's 2021. I want to think about 2031 and go, what do we hope icon is going to look like in 2031, which is just so far away. It's just hard to imagine. I just turned 42. So it's impossible to imagine what 52 is going to be like, probably dead, right? Uh, so it, 10 years out is a long ways, but we want to plan for that. And we want to be aiming at that. And the illustration I always use whenever I coach other pastors or consult with other churches is, um, if you think about it like a road trip, the first thing you got to decide when you set out on a road trip is, where are we going? Because if you don't have a destination, then you're just on a long drive, right? Uh, but if you do have a destination, that also kind of decides some of all of your twists and turns and lefts and right along the way. Because you know that if I'm trying to go from here to San Diego, which sounds kind of nice right now, um, I'm not going through Boise right? Like I'm going straight south. I need to get to Medford by this evening and I need to be in San Francisco the next day. I need to be in LA the next day and then I'm in San Diego, right? Like it dictates the plan for us. So we call it the 10-year prayer because, uh, well, we believe God's sovereign and I don't ultimately have control over outcomes. I wish I did. Sometimes I pretend I do, but I don't. God controls outcomes. And so we pray. But God has also made our world in such a way that there is cause and effect. Our behavior does affect outcomes. Our behavior today does affect our future. Do we have ultimate control? No. Do we have effect? Absolutely. God has given us that responsibility. So when we think about a 10-year prayer, we're going, we're going to pray towards and we're going to act towards this preferred vision for our future. And here's what it looks like for us. My 10-year prayer for ICON is that we would be a part of creating a gospel ecosystem, okay? A gospel ecosystem that creates sustainability for Christian families in Seattle. Now, I want to break down little pieces of that to, to, to describe what I mean by that, right? So first, a gospel ecosystem, right? So Seattle is not the friendliest place to Christians, right? Can we all agree on that? This is not a Christian utopia by any means, okay? So in a normal ecosystem, my sixth grade science book tells me um, that I stole from my daughter, uh, that in an ecosystem, like a biological ecosystem, there are strong plants, there are weak plants, there are strong 
animals, there are weak animals. And especially in the plant world, because in the animal world, the strong ones just eat the weak ones. And that's not what we're going for, right? But in the plant world, every ecosystem needs stronger uh, uh, trees and plants to be able to provide shade and cover um, or to drop little seedlings and create a, 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 a situation or a system where weaker, more fragile uh, uh, plants can grow up underneath it, right? So what we want to be a part of is thinking about how can we be one of those strong trees that creates some cover so that kind of weaker elements or more fragile elements can have a place to grow up and get stronger themselves, especially in those early days when they're especially weak, okay? So here's what that means. Part of what we want to do is be involved with creating uh, healthy churches all across the region. So for ICON, that probably means some sort of multi-site, multi-congregational kind of strategy where we plant churches that we have really close relationship with to be kind of mutually strengthening to each other. It also means we want to be in high levels of relationship with other churches that are like-minded that we can partner with for the sake of leadership development, for the sake of doing things like outreach with alpha courses and other kinds of things like a youth ministry that we started before the pandemic happened. We want to re-engage those things to strengthen the church here in Seattle. So that no matter where you move, what neighborhood or what you know, outlying city, that you have a place to be, a community that will be kind of mutually affirming to you, right? But that's not all. We don't just want to build a church. We also, we think a part of that ecosystem needs to be contribution to schools. So my kids go to Seattle Classical Christian School and we love it. I sit on the board for that school and many families in our church go to that school. And I'm not trying to give a pitch for that school. I can do that later if you want. Um, but my, my point is we need Christian schools here in the city and all around the region to offer alternatives for families that don't feel like the public school serves them the way they need to be served. And that's a part of it. Okay, so it's, it's schools, it's leadership development with a vocational edge to it. So much of Seattle is wrapped up around our work and something that's near and dear to my heart is to be able to train you to think theologically about your work so that your work is not just a means to an end. It's not just the grind. It's not just the way to make money. It's not just the hustle, but it is actually something where you see yourself actively participating with God in his creative and recreative work, which is what your work can be. Okay. So we're going to continue to do work around vocational leadership development, right? So there's all of these different elements of things that we want to provide. One of the things that I think in the long run in that 10 year prayer that we need to be a part of is active engagement with our city through common good initiatives, okay? So when I was at DOXA, myself and Tim Patton started to put together the idea of a separate nonprofit called The Common Good that was a kind of a clearinghouse for opportunities for churches to serve the city well. And we want to continue to serve our city and engage our city's homelessness population and, and all of the various problems that beset our city. We want to be able to serve those things as a way to improve and, and make our city a more livable place. Okay. And lastly, it's this, there is all kinds of ideas and all kinds of ideologies in our city that are extremely difficult and complicated for us to understand. 
So one of the things as I look out to a 10-year prayer, one of the things I think is going to be critical to create this kind of sustainability that we need is some sort of resource or media organization. And what I mean by that is I want to be in movies, guys. And if I got to start a business to get into movies, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, I've got some rom-com ideas. Um, anyway, that's not what I mean. Here's what I mean. There are a lot of really difficult issues that we're facing as a city and as Christians. Issues around race and sexuality and gender and culture, uh, all kinds of different issues. And they're complicated and they're hard to deal with. I've had multiple people in the last couple of weeks call me and say, hey, we're dealing with things like gender pronouns in my workplace. How do I engage that? Which is a great question because literally no generation in history has been asking the questions we're asking now or is having the kind of conversations that we're having now. These are entirely new ideas and it's hard to think through them. So I, I think a big piece of what sustainability looks like here is to be able to give people the resources they need to think well about the questions they're being asked by their neighbors or the conversations that are being had at work. Okay, so all of that is meant, that ecosystem is meant to provide sustainability, which means long-term kind of stickiness. And I, and I call out here in my prayer for families. And here's what I mean by that. If you're out there and you're single, does that mean we're trying to create a church full of families? Not at all. Do I want you to get married and have kids? Absolutely. But this is not the idea. Here's the idea. Seattle is a place that is not family-friendly. The, the very infrastructure of our city is literally built uh, for single people and not families. There are all kinds of ways that this city is not advantageous at all for families. And so in a certain sense, I think families are particularly vulnerable to sustainability in the city right? The housing situation, the cost of living, all of these things, the school system, all of it works against families. In fact, I'm, I'm reading a book right now about the history of Seattle going back to the 1940s and 50s. And from the very beginning, Seattle has been an anti-natalist city, meaning they're against babies. And who's against babies? Terrible people, right? So this is not a city built for families. And so sustainability for families long-term, it's really hard to navigate, okay? So it's not that I don't care about singles. I care a lot about singles. But this city's built for singles. And if those singles are still going to be here 10 years from now, when in all likelihood they're going to get married and start having kids, if they're going to be able to stay long-term, it's because we've provided a place that values family, values kids, creates space for children's ministry, creates long-term educational opportunities, and has a vision for what they will be once the going gets tougher. Okay, so that's our 10-year prayer, that we would be a part, not the only one, it doesn't depend on us, we're not the only ones doing this, but that we would be a part of building a gospel ecosystem here in Seattle that creates sustainability for Christian families to stay here in the city long-term. So that's 10 years. Three-year picture. And this is a process I take uh, churches through all the time because 10 years is a long ways off, but three years gives us a little bit more manageable picture of what we can accomplish. And here's what I think we can accomplish in the next three years. I want to plant two churches. I want to plant two icon churches. Whether they're called icon or not, I kind of don't care. But I want two churches to come out of us that are tightly related to us and networked with us. So we're working together strategically across the city. I want to plant two churches. 
I want to establish our common good initiatives at a really high level in the next three years. I want to build that leadership development pipeline and really build it out so it's humming and running and lots of people are getting through it. And lastly, I want us to start producing those resources that uh, I think our city needs so desperately to talk about these big issues from a Christian perspective. And then my little parentheses hope for the next three years is that we will have the opportunity to buy a building and own a home of our own, which I think is just critical to that kind of long-term sustainability. Okay, now one year. Here is, our, here is our wildly important goal for 2021. 2020 was a really hard year, obviously, for everyone. The way it affected us at ICON as a, as a church, as, a kind of a, as an organization, is it, it's felt like we've been in neutral for a year. And unfortunately, that year was also most of our first year of existence, which as a church planter, I can say is not ideal. Okay, so we've been in neutral for most of our first year. And by all means, God has blessed us. God's taken care of us. Y'all have been faithful. It's been kind of remarkable to see what God's done in spite of the fact that we've not had a chance to meet since March 3rd, which is just crazy to think about. Right. But here's my goal for, for this year, that we start to move again that we get some traction, that we get this thing into drive and start to move forward. I wanna see us grow. I wanna see us multiply. I want to see some of that, some of that movement that's happening, that latent power and, and, and dynamism that I know is there. I wanna see it get going in 2021. That's my prayer, that we could just stick this thing in drive and get started again. So I'm, I'm hoping that you will pray with me about that. And here's, here, you know, some of you guys are maybe rolling your eyes or going, growth, why would we do that? I think what we're doing here is good. It's as simple as that. I think what we're doing at Icon with our community groups and our Icon groups and our liturgy and all the things that we're doing, the God of the Valley series and all of Pow Pow, well, most of Pow Pow's Playhouse and all of that kind of stuff, all the things that we're doing, I think it's good. I think it helps people. I think it impacts people. And if that's not what we're here for, I don't know what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. As your pastor, that's what I'm here for. I want to have an impact. I want to have gospel transformational impact on our city. And I think we can do that. And so, heck yes, I want more people to be in our mix, to, to in, experience our liturgy, to be in our communities, to be catechized by icon groups. I want more of that because I think what we're doing is good. And I think people should experience it. So yeah, I, I want us to get unstuck. I want us to get into drive and get moving this year. Okay. So I want to introduce some people to you and, and I love to bring them up on stage and, and have, you know, pray for them and all that, but you know, COVID. So um, uh, I'm just going to put some pictures up of these people and I say, I'm going to do it. Definitely not me. It's going to be Paolo who's going to do it, but I'm going to say their names and that's really the heavy lifting anyway. So first I want to introduce to you uh, our elder candidates. Okay. So these guys are going through a multiple year process uh, to learn and grow as men of God to hopefully someday lead our church spiritually as the elders. First uh, is Cliff Lowe. There's Cliff. Love Cliffy. Uh, Josh Obendorf. Stephen Cairns, the Canadian. Che Choi, which is just such a fun name to say. Josh Searcy, 
are Texans. We got a Canadian, Texan. They balance each other. No fights yet, but we'll see. Joe Lednicki, who is a CrossFit master, and Ben Wishall from Kansas City. So these guys are in, like I said, a multi-year process where I am training them. We're going through theological stuff, pastoral care stuff, all kinds of things to then get on the other side of this process and go, man, these are the, these are the guys who are leading our church spiritually, protecting doctrine, caring for the flock, shepherding people, and, and kind of managing our vision into the future. Okay. Second team is our leadership team. And these, this team is our kind of strategic leaders. These are people helping us figure out, okay, that's our vision. How are we going to get there? Right. And so this has been a super helpful team to us. Um, Hunju Lo is a member of that team. Nate Duncan, who I've known for since he was in college. And uh, it's good to have Nate around still. Uh, Alona Trofimovich, resident Russian. Uh, Josh Obendorf again. I know I'm tired of him too. Grace Choi, who's a newer addition to the team, and Jonah Graff, who is fantastic as well. So that's our leadership team. So they're helping us kind of plot the course strategically and kind of helping us focus on what are our next 90-day priorities and how are we going to get this thing done. Last but not least uh, is our staff. And our staff is in charge of execution and operations and just getting stuff done. And I'm around them all the time and I love them very much. So here's our staff. Again, Alona Trofimovich, Che Choi, once again, Paolo, who you know as Pow Pow. I call him Lolo. It's fine. Paolo Hugo, uh, Rachel Whiteman, who's in charge of all our student ministries, uh, Josh Searcy, who is uh, overseeing community groups and icon groups, and then two part-time employees, Matteo Fillert, who is Paolo's little brother, who does video editing for us, and then Tim Wilson, who uh, you know as uh, one of our worship leaders. And uh, it's been great to have Tim on board for these last few weeks as well. So that's the team. And all of these people are helping us move ICON forward, right? Through theology and shepherding, through strategy and structure, through execution and operations and as a full-time job. Man, uh, this is, these are the people that, are, that I love and depend upon and are really doing some amazing work. I just could not be more thankful for these people. So that's the vision. That's our mission. This is what the next 10 years and three years and one year looks like. These are the people. Now, here's what I want us to focus on for 2021. I got three focuses or foci uh, to be specific. Uh, and and here, are, here are the three things I want to focus on for 2021. I, I want to talk about these relatively quickly. But you're going to hear these three ideas come up over and over and over again. One, gospel truth that cuts through the fog. One, one of the most important moments, I think, in the Bible that is a, a question that resounds through the centuries is in John 18, 38, when Jesus is before Pilate and Pilate asks rhetorically, what is truth, right? And, and what an insightful, I mean, uh, Pilate sh was probably a millennial, right? Like gone back in time. This is, this is the question of our culture. What is truth? And as Christians, we, we have an answer to that. We go, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the logos. Jesus tells us over and over and over, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the word. I am the truth. 
Jesus is the truth. And so our, our kind of orienting passage or verse for this idea is, comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, where Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of, of praise, think about these things. Think about these things, right? There are a lot of things to think about. There are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of things fighting for your attention. Paul goes, if it's true, think about it. If it's honorable, think about it. If it's just, think about it. If it's pure, if it's lovely, if it's commendable, think about those things. Don't, just don't even waste brain cells on the other stuff. Think about these things. So we, we, we want to be committed. Maybe, you know, this is not a commitment that's like, well, just in 2021, we're going to be con uh, really committed to gospel truth. 2022, who knows, right? Like this is, a, this is a constant for us, but I think especially this coming year, a, a real commitment to gospel truth, to the word of God, and just be thinking about and talking about the things of God, things that are lovely and true and honorable and just and excellent and worthy of praise, that that's what we want to fix our minds on this year. So that's number one, gospel truth that cuts through the fog. Number two, supported, supportive, honest, overlapping community, right? So I'm going to take that last word first, overlapping community. It's the concept we've been talking about since day one at ICON, that as much as is possible that our community would overlap, that we would see people not just in one moment or one context, but our lives would overlap in a multiple context, right? The, the greatest example of overlapping community is camp, summer camp, right? Where you spend a week with the same people from morning till morning, right? Like all day long, all night long with the same people. You spend one week and you go from stranger to best friend I'm going to marry, right? Like this is, that's camp because you overlap so much. It just hyper drives the relationship, right? This is what I'm going for right? That we would have as much overlap in our life between church and work and school and neighborhood and community and fun and friends. All of it would overlap as much as possible so that there is redundancy of relationship, okay? And, and the way I want, that, want to see that work is that it would be both supportive and honest at the same time. So that you have a community that you can go to that you know that no matter what you say to them, they're there. They're there for, they're supportive of you and they love you and they're going to be next to you, but that they're also going to be honest with you, right? And our, our culture often doesn't get one of those. Either they're just supportive and never say anything back to you at all, or they talk back to you, but that it's, uh, your relationship is conditional, right? So if you agree with them, they're with you. If you disagree, they'll tell you and then they're gone. That's not biblical community. Gospel biblical community says, I'm with you no matter what. My love for you is unconditional, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to push back when you say dumb stuff, but that doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. In fact, that probably means I'm going to get closer to you and tell you really close to your face how dumb that idea was, right? That's the ideal kind of community. And right now, 2020, man, tore us apart. We have never been more isolated than we are right now. In fact, I just read that in Seattle, youth suicide rates in 2020 are up 30% largely because of isolation and displacement. So we need that, that overlapping community. 
Satan wants to divide us, but together we are stronger. Jude, verses 17 through 23, is just one chapter, so you go straight to the verses. I love it. Jude says this, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. It's that last line that I love so much in that passage where he says, at the the same time, have mercy on those who doubt, which means what? You know about their doubts. You have enough relationship with them that they're expressing their doubts to you. And he says, have mercy on them. If they're doubting, gosh, who isn't doubting? Who can read, read the Bible long enough or read theology long enough for be alive, be an adult? Man, there is nothing more terrible than growing up and being an adult. And you're faced with all of the realities of life and brokenness and sin and divorce and pain and death and loss. It's awful. And of course, there are moments where we doubt certain things about the reality of God or the truthfulness of the scriptures. And Paul says, have mercy on those who doubt. But also, save them by snatching them out of the fire. So yes, have mercy on those who doubt. Walk with those who doubt. But don't just let them continue to doubt. Snatch them out of the fire. Be proactive in your love for them. So we want to create the kind of community that people feel free to go, I'm not sure about this. We go, okay, cool. Let's talk about it. I'm going to come near you and we're going to talk more about it. I'm I'm going to be nearer to you the more doubt that you have. So that that supportive, honest, overlapping community is number two. Number three, proactive discipleship. This, again, has been one of our values from day one. Because the world is proactive. Our culture is proactive. The media is proactive. Ideologies are proactive. We're, we're the, the best example I have this winter when you're at the elevator, right? And you're, you're standing on one of those people movers and you don't have to go anywhere. It's just moving. This is, it's like trying to go backwards on one of those things. If you just stand still, culture's going to take you where it wants to go. You've got to work the other direction actively if you want to get anywhere, right? Or if you get on an escalator that's going up and you realize, oh my gosh, I got to go down. And you turn, you start to run. If you're not going faster than the escalator, you just look weird, right? But if you go faster, you can get off quickly and, and get where you need to go. We've got to run hard. We've got to be proactive because everything around us is being proactive with us. John 10.10 tells us that Satan is a prowling lion seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy. That, that's what's going on around us, that we have an enemy that wants to steal from us our joy, our contentment, our sanity, that he wants to kill us, that he wants to destroy our world. So we can't just be passive. We can't just be in neutral because if we're in neutral, we're being killed, we're being destroyed. Philippians chapter three, one of my favorite passages in scripture, verses 12 through 15, Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfect, but hear this. He goes, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, 
Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He goes, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will make, make it all make sense to you. Right? God, God will straighten you out later. Hear, hear Paul's words. He goes, one thing I do, I don't, I don't worry about what's behind me. I strain forward for, towards what's ahead. I picture like a, a runner at the end of a race straining for that finish line, just wants that finish line so bad, straining forward, straining ahead. Paul goes, this is all that matters. This is all that matters. He goes, one thing I do. This is my only, this is my sole focus, right? He goes, I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. And he strained on the cross for me. Because if Jesus will, will, will make me his own at great cost to himself, you don't think I'm going to make him my own? I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to strain forward towards what is ahead. Proactive discipleship that we would see into the future, see what it is we want, and we would go after it, strain for it with the same kind of ambition that we give to so many other things in our life. Paul goes, That's, I, I, I've got one focus and all my energy, all my passion, all my desire, all my direction, all my ambition goes in that direction to make him my own. So here's my prayer for 2021. Three prayers. One, swift, safe return to gathering. That's prayer number one. Don't tell anybody I said this, but I miss you. Okay? Just between you and me, I miss you. And I want to get back together. Okay? So a swift, safe return to gathering. Number two, I want us to find a full-time home. That's my prayer that we would have a full-time home that we could call ours, that we can use all throughout the week, that can be a home base to begin to build this gospel ecosystem. And third, I want to see Icon grow this year. I want us to have impact on our city. Again, I think that what we're doing here is good. The gospel is good. And that when we preach the gospel and sing the gospel and talk about the gospel in community groups and icon groups, that that's good and it impacts people and they are changed by it, transformed by it, saved by it. That Jesus wants to make more people his own. So I want to see us grow. So will you pray with me for those three things? A swift, safe return to gathering, a home of our own, and growth in 2021. And here's why all this stuff matters. We believe the gospel. We believe the gospel. We believe that there is good news. The good news can change us. The, the good news can make us new. The good news can make us whole. The good news can, can make our relationship with God right again. That The good news can give us meaning. That The good news can give us joy. It can give us satisfaction. It can give us peace. It can give us something to accomplish that matters. It can give us a mission that it gives us a purpose. And, and I think so many times our lives are simply scratching the surface of what could be. But in Jesus, we are offered more. In fact, in John 10.10, 10, John completes this thought, or Jesus completes this thought. He says, the thief, Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus says, 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's Jesus' desire for you. Life. An abundant life. What do you think that means? I don't know, but go figure it out. Because whatever it meant, Jesus was so passionate about it. He cared so much about it. He cared so much about you having it that he died for it to make that possible for you to have abundant life. Come get it. Come get it. Come get the satisfaction and the joy and the meaning and the purpose and the mission that Jesus has for you that he created you for. Let's do that together in 2021. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we want it. We want all you got for us. Lord, this year, may we be ever more dedicated to experiencing you, to, to knowing you, to knowing the life that you have for us, that abundant life that you've promised for us. May, may, may this be a year that we pray more and we learn more and we grow more and that we're more vulnerable and more honest and we have more community, that we learn, that we stretch. That we, that we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations that we are ultimately reliant on you for. God, we do pray that you would allow us to return to gathering soon, safely. We pray that you would give us a home that Icon can call theirs, that we can do this ministry from. And Lord, we do ask that you would bring us more people, that we would grow this year. We would be faithful with those people that you would empower our elder candidates, our leadership team, our staff, all of our community group leaders and icon group leaders and everybody else who gives and serves and is a part of what we're doing, Lord, that this would be such a powerful year for us that we look back and go, holy smokes, 2020 was so hard, but 2021, oh man, was that a blessing. God was just preparing us for something in 2021. We ask that of you in your precious name. Amen. Now, as always, we're going to transition to a time of response. We're going to do it in the same way as we always do. We're going to sing some more. We're going to take communion together. So if you haven't already grabbed communion supplies, go ahead and grab them. Take the bread, dip it in the wine or juice, whatever you have to remember Christ's sacrifice for you, but then also to own that. To, just as Paul said in Philippians 3, Christ made you his own. He made me his own. And so I'm going to make him my own. I'm going to live into the reality of life with him to whatever degree I can. That he strained at the cross for me. Which tells me how much he loves me and what, what value and what life he was making available for me. So we're going to take communion together. We're also going to give. And uh, y'all gave so, so faithfully in 2020. I'm so thankful for that. It's just an incredible year given everything that's been going on. And I'm amazingly thankful. We serve a generous God who never stops giving. And, and we want to continue to walk in that path with him. But before we do any of that, we're going to take a moment in silence. And, and maybe, maybe this moment of silence is even more important than ones we've had before as we kick off this new year to take a moment and go, what, what are your prayers for this year? What is your role to play at ICON? How can we step into our community in a new way, in a deeper way, to give yourself more and more, not to us, not to a name, not to an organization, but to Jesus and his people? What would that look like for you 
this year. So let's bow our heads and ask ourselves that question.